Knowing God, over the past few Sundays online, we have been focusing on some of God's attributes. In our first lesson, we learned that he is omniscient. That is, he knows everything, everything about everything, past, present, and future. In our second lesson, we learned that he is omnipresent. That is, he is present everywhere at once, all the time. In our third lesson, we learned that he is omnipotent. That is, he is all-powerful, almighty. Nothing is too difficult for him. As you probably have guessed from the theme of today's songs and videos, this morning's lesson, He is Gracious, focuses on God's grace. Psalm 86 and verse 15 tells us, You, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God. And in Isaiah 30 and verse 18, we read, The Lord longs to be gracious to you. Knowing God, He is gracious. Now what does that mean? What exactly is grace? Well, this word, used over 170 times in the Bible, is translated in a variety of ways. Grace, favor, goodwill, loving kindness, and so forth. I think the very best definition that I have heard over the years is this. God's grace means God gives me what I need, not what I deserve. God gives me what I need, not what I deserve. Now, quite frankly, we have a difficult time understanding the concept of grace in our competitive, performance-oriented world today. Let me just illustrate. You fill in the blank. There's no such thing as a free lunch. Yeah, there's no such thing as a free lunch. If it sounds too good to be true... It probably is. We make our money the old-fashioned way. We earn it. God helps those who help themselves. You don't get something for nothing. You see, our work ethic says that you only get what you work for. You earn it. You merit it. You only get what you deserve. But God's grace isn't something that we work for. It isn't something that we earn or merit. And it certainly isn't something we deserve. No. God's grace is unconditional, unlimited, and unending. He gives us what we need, not what we deserve. As we're getting to know the God who's gracious today, let's explore a little deeper what it means that God's grace is offered to us. And let's begin by just reviewing God's grace. What is the scope of God's grace? How does His grace affect our lives? Well, basically, God's grace touches our lives in three ways. First, God's saving grace removes my guilt. God's saving grace removes my guilt. Look at Ephesians 1, verses 7 and 8. For by the blood of Christ we are set free. That is, our sins are forgiven. How great is the grace of God, which He gave to us in such large measure. Here's the good news. We have been set free. Free from guilt, free from condemnation, free from shame, free from judgment. All because of what God did for us in sending Jesus Christ to die for our sins. Someone cleverly defined grace with this acronym, God's riches 
at Christ's expense. God's riches at Christ's expense. Ephesians 2 verses 8 and 9 expands on this thought. For it is to grace that you owe your salvation through faith. The whole process comes from nothing we have done or could do. It is God's gift. Any achievement of ours is ruled out to make it impossible for anyone to boast. Here's the point. My salvation is based on God's mercy, not my merit. My salvation is based on God's mercy, not my merit. God's saving grace removes our guilt. And it's not something that we can work for or achieve. It's not something we can earn or merit. It's not something that we deserve. It is totally and completely the gift of God's merciful favor to us. And yet, some people try so hard to gain their own salvation. They think they will be accepted by God because of what they do. There's what I call salvation by sincerity. I've heard people say, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you are sincere. Really, you can be sincerely wrong. Or there's what I call salvation by subtraction. <laughs> this is where you just subtract a bunch of things from your life. You don't drink, you don't smoke, you don't cuss, you don't do this, you don't do that, you don't do something else. It's all the don'ts. That's not how you earn God's favor. Because you can earn God's favor. Then there's the opposite of that. That's what I call salvation by service. This is all the do's. You just do all kinds of good deeds. You serve God and you serve others. It's kind of like you're on this performance treadmill and you're just working out and you're working so hard but you're not getting anywhere. Because <laughs> God's grace is what saves you, not your do's. Then there's salvation by superiority. We like to play this game because we can always find somebody who's a little, maybe not as good as we are, we think. And so we think God grades on a curve. And if we're better than most people, then God will accept us. And that's not at all how salvation works. Again, Paul writes in 2 Timothy 1 and verse 9, He saved us and called us to be His own people, not because of what we have done, but because of His purpose and His grace. He gave us this grace by means of Christ Jesus. And so first, God's saving grace removes my guilt. Second, God's sanctifying grace refines my character. God's sanctifying grace refines my character. Notice what it says, Colossians 2 verse 6. Just as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, continue to live in Him. Now think about that verse for a minute. Paul is saying that just as we came into a personal relationship with Jesus by grace, so we are to continue in that personal relationship with Jesus each and every day. Again, by grace. God's grace is the key not only to our salvation, our coming to Christ, but also to our sanctification, our growing up in Christ. I mean, how do you become a Christian? By promising to do good? By promising to be perfect? No, <laughs> by God's grace. And how do you grow as a Christian? By promising to do good, to be perfect? No, again, it's by God's grace. Grace. Paul put it this way, Philippians 1 verse 6, God is the one who began this good work in you, and I'm certain he won't stop before it's complete on that day that Christ Jesus returns. 
In other words, what God began by His grace, your salvation, He will complete by His grace, your sanctification. And here's the point. My sanctification is based on God's presence, not my performance. God's, my, my sanctification is based on God's presence, not my performance. I believe this is one of the biggest problems that people face as Christians. People start with a relationship and then they revert back to religion. They begin with a meaningful personal relationship with Jesus and somehow they end up with a meaningless impersonal rules and regulations and rituals. Paul dealt with that in the early church. That's why the early chapters of the book of Romans, the entire book of Galatians for that matter, the second chapter of the book of Colossians, they were all written to combat this problem in the early church. Now we understand that our salvation is utterly dependent upon God's grace. Can we not also understand that our sanctification is utterly dependent upon God's grace? Hebrews 13 verse 9 sums it up this way. Your spiritual strength comes from God's special favor, not from ceremonial rules. So oftentimes we forget that it's all about relationship. It's not about religion. It's all, all about being loved by God. And being loved by God, we then express our love back to Him and we express His love to others. It's about that relationship. It's about living in that relationship. It's about thriving in that relationship day after day. Just about that relationship. Not focusing on a list of do's and don'ts, but focusing on our love relationship with God Himself. And so second, God's sanctifying grace refines my character. Number three, God's sustaining grace renews my strength. God's sustaining grace renews my strength. In 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 9, God reminded Paul, my grace is enough. It's all you need. My strength, God says, comes into its own in your weakness. So God's promise to us is that when we face the tough times in life, the tests, the trials, the temptations, His grace will be sufficient to sustain us. Just when we think that our strength is spent, just when we think we cannot possibly hang on any longer, God renews our strength so we can keep on keeping on. Hebrews 4 verse 16 tells us exactly what to do when we're in a difficult place in life. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Here's the point. My sustenance is based on God's energy, not my effort. My sustenance is based on God's energy, not my effort. He removes my guilt by His saving grace. He refines my character by His sanctifying grace. And He removes, renews my strength by His sustaining grace. When we're down and discouraged, nothing can devastate our lives. No problem, no hurt, no challenge, because God's grace is sufficient. We can handle whatever comes our way, not by our own effort, but by God's energy that's supplied to us in His grace. And so third, God's sustaining grace renews my strength. 
In review then, God's grace touches our lives in at least these three ways. God's saving grace removes our guilt. Our salvation is based on God's mercy, not our merit. God's sanctifying grace refines our character. Our sanctification is based on God's presence, not our performance. And God's sustaining grace renews our strength. Our sustenance is based on God's energy, not our effort. That brings us to today's second main point, And that's receiving God's grace. Perhaps you're saying, man, this sounds great. I love to have God's grace in my life. Some of you, in fact, need God's saving grace to have a clean slate and a clear conscience to become a Christian. Others of you may need God's sanctifying grace to have the power to break an addiction or to make a major life change, to become more Christ-like in your daily walk. And still others need God's sustaining grace to find the strength to keep on keeping on through physical and emotional, relational or spiritual hardship, to persevere. So how do we receive God's grace in our lives? I believe that there's one single starting point for experiencing God's grace in our lives. James 4 and verse 6 tells us, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. To whom does God give His grace? The humble. Here's the key then to receiving God's grace. I must admit I need it. I must admit I need it. And that's it. I must humbly admit that I need Him to save me. I need Him to sanctify me. I need Him to sustain me. I must come to grips with the fact that I cannot make it through this life on my own. I am not self-sufficient. And to admit that takes humility. You see, pride prevents God's grace. As long as I'm self-dependent, as long as I'm boasting, oh, I can handle it. I don't need anybody else's help. I've got it all under control. I'm just going to do it myself. Then I'll never experience God's grace in my life. Again, the starting point for receiving God's grace is humility. Brokenness. A contrite heart. A bankrupt spirit. A surrendered will. Look at the warning in Hebrews 12 and verse 15. Be careful that none of you fails to respond to the grace which God gives. For if he does, there can very easily spring up in him a bitter spirit, which is not only bad in itself, but can also poison the lives of many others. Simply put, when we try to handle life on our own without God, it leads often to bitterness and resentment. We become cynical. We become critical. We get angry at God, we get angry at others, we get angry at ourselves, we get angry at life itself. Now by the way, when it comes to receiving God's grace in our lives, I believe that that means we must humbly admit our need in two ways. First, I must admit my need to God. Yeah, that's where it starts. It always starts there. Admitting our need to God, saying, God, I need you. I can't do this on my own. I humbly admit that I am totally and utterly dependent upon you and your grace in my life. But I think second, it also means I must admit my need to others. I must admit my need to others. Now this is where we get caught sometimes, I think. You see, receiving God's grace to 
break the chains of addiction, for instance, or to break a bad habit, if you will, or to make a major life change, we've got to start by confessing our need for God and His grace in our lives. But it doesn't end there. It, it continues when we confess our need to others. <laughs> I say that and sometimes I've had people look at me and go, but if I admit this habit, this addiction, if I admit this secret sin in my life to someone else, huh, that's humbling. Bingo. <laughs> Humility. That's the point at which God's grace can be received. And if our pride stands in the way and we are unable and unwilling to admit our need for grace, not only to God, but also to others, many times we'll stay stuck right there in our sin. And the bonds of that sin will never be broken until we humble ourselves first. So, how do I receive God's grace in my life? Here's the key. I must humbly admit to God and to others that I need it. Which brings us to our final main point today, and that's reflecting God's grace. Once we've received God's grace, then how are we to respond? What are we to do then? Well, 1 Peter 4 verse 10 tells us, Serve one another with the particular gifts God has given each of you as faithful dispensers of the magnificently varied grace of God. Don't miss those words. Faithful dispensers. I like that. Here's the point. We are to be dispensers of God's grace to others. Simply put, as we have received God's grace, so we are to reflect God's grace to those around us. Now, quite frankly, graciousness is in rather short supply in our world today. Why? Because I believe that many people haven't really experienced God's grace in their lives. And when they haven't received God's grace, they cannot in turn reflect it to others. But once someone has truly experienced God's sanctifying, saving, and sustaining grace in his or her life, how can they do anything else but dispense God's grace to those around them? So let me ask you, are you a gracious person? Do you consistently reflect God's grace to others? Are you a gracious parent or grandparent? Do you show God's grace to your children and your grandchildren? Are you a gracious spouse? Do you dispense God's grace to your husband or your wife? Are you a gracious employee? Do you demonstrate God's grace to those around you in the workplace? Are you a gracious neighbor? Do you extend God's grace to the people who live right next door? You see, as recipients of God's grace, we're then to reflect God's grace to others. Paul put it this way, Acts 20 and verse 24, I only want to complete my mission and finish the work that the Lord Jesus gave me to do, which is to declare the good news about the grace of God. Knowing God, He is gracious. God is a God of grace. Saving grace, sanctifying grace, and sustaining grace. He gives us what we need, not what we deserve. In humility, we can receive His grace in our lives today if we'll just admit to God and to others that we need it. 
And having personally experienced God's grace, we can then reflect His grace to others. I wonder, what kind of grace do you need in your life today? Some of you need God's saving grace to receive God's gift of salvation through His Son, Jesus Christ. Some of you need God's sanctifying grace to get off that performance treadmill and to focus on relationship and not religion. Some of you need God's sustaining grace, the strength to persevere through whatever test or trial that you're facing in your life right now. Are you ready and willing to humbly admit your need for God's grace this morning? If so, would you pray with me right now? Oh God, how we need your grace. We need your grace to save us. We need your grace to sanctify us. We need your grace to sustain us. We are utterly and totally dependent upon your grace. And so we admit that to you. Help us to have the humility to admit that to others around us as well. And I pray that your grace, your unmerited favor, your unending love would just fill our lives. And that as you fill us and we receive that grace, we experience that grace on a daily basis, that God, then you would let us be able to reflect that grace to others around us. God, you are a gracious and compassionate God. And we throw ourselves upon your mercy and your grace today. Thank you, God, for your amazing grace. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.